morning, good morning, everybody. <laughs> hey, uh, happy post-Thanksgiving trauma. Um, <laughs> at least for my stomach, anyway. Uh, so good to have everybody. Can we just stand? We're just going to enter God's presence um, with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And, you know, we, we've talked about that verse before, but there's something beautiful about it's not, it's not a, a com- just a command of how we come in, right? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. But it's an invitation to come into his courts. What an amazing God that we have who doesn't keep us on the outside, doesn't uh, make us stand at the gate and beg, doesn't make us show our credentials, our passport, our, uh, how good we've been to get in. He just says, come, just come. And that's the kind of God that we serve. And so today, whether you've come filled with joy and excitement, whether you've come with sadness, whether you've had a phenomenal week or whether you are just glad the week has ended and we've started a new one, the invitation is the same. Oh, come. Just come. Come as you are, but come with everything you are. And tell him how great he is. Tell him how great he is. Tell him how great he is. You know, this moment of worship really isn't about us at all. It's about what we get to give to him. And I know I've said it before probably a thousand times, but one of the only things that we truly have that is ours, that he hasn't given us to give him, is our praise. When we tithe, he gave us the job, the money, and we just give it back to him. When we give grace, it's because we first received it. When we love, we love because he first loved us. But the one thing we get to give that is completely ours to him is our praise. So today, can I invite you in just to praise him for who he is? Let's just pray. Father, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Worthy to receive glory and honor and power and praise. All of heaven rejoices. Daddy, we've come to join in with heaven. We've, we've come to join in with the praise of glory. We, we've brought ourselves. We, we're lifting up our voices, our hands, our hearts to you. You're worthy to receive it all. You're worthy to receive it all. And so we come with joy, with joyful hearts. And say, great is our God and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, on the mountain of His holiness, He is worthy to be praised. Daddy, we give you glory. We give you honor, Daddy. This is how we fight our battles. We fight them on our knees. We fight them in praise, Lord God, to you. This is how we give you glory. This is how the King of glory comes in, is when we lift up praise to you. So come. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Come. Come. Come and receive glory. Receive honor. Receive praise. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you all the praise, Daddy. We love you. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in our lives today, in the service today, in our nation, oh my God, in our nation and in our world today, as it is in heaven. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And together in faith we say, amen. And amen, and amen, and amen, and amen. Come on, church, let's just, let's just, just push in. Just lean in a little bit and begin to worship him for who he is. Give him some glory.
Hallelujah. Church, together today, let's bring glory to the one who birthed hope back into this world. Let us praise him for who he has always been and always will be to us today. We love to call your name. It's something we cannot explain.
his name. Church, I'm going to just, we just want to, I'm going to, I want to, I'm just going to invite you to do something. Because I believe that that song and that word is true. There is power in the name of Jesus. The Bible says that there's nothing stronger than the name of Jesus. Not anything visible or invisible, anything manifest in our body, any sickness, disease, any circumstance, any scenario you're facing, nothing is more powerful, nothing has more authority than the name of Jesus. And maybe you need a breakthrough today. Maybe you need a healing. Maybe you need a breakthrough. Maybe you need a miracle. My God is in the miracle business because he does still do miracles today. Because his name hasn't changed. He didn't stop being Yahweh Rapha, the God that heals. He, he didn't say, oh, the, the, the clock turned on the 21st century. I'm not going to be myself any longer. My God is immutable. He is unchangeable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you can heal the blind man, if you can heal the leper, if you can call Lazarus from the grave, there's nothing he can't do for you. And it's not us. It's not hype. It's hope. Because Jesus said it's true. So I'm going to pray that. And if you need a breakthrough today, I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hands, just kind of just to say, God, here are my hands, empty and open, ready to receive. Daddy, I'm willing to stretch out my hands towards you in hope as a sign, Lord God, to connect with you. Father, all over the room you see hands and hearts lifted up. All over the room you see beyond what we can see. You see the things we can't. You know the answer before there's even a problem. And God, I thank you that you sent Jesus as the answer to every problem we face. So if it's sickness, I pray for health in the name of Jesus. Father, if it's lack, I pray for provision. If it's brokenness, I pray for healing in Jesus' name. If it's depression, I pray for joy and peace in the name of Jesus. If it's relational strife, I pray for unity in Jesus' name. Where there's been rifts in families. You're the God of family. You're the God of the fatherless. You're the God who, of people who feel left out, discarded, misfits of life. I pray right now, Lord God, that whoever may be going through that today may know that they are loved and seen and valued by our King. I pray that every weapon formed by the enemy shall not prosper in Jesus' name. We speak to the mountain, and we say, mountain, you must move in the name of Jesus. Daddy, we come to you with faith. Not faith in ourselves, faith in the church we go to, faith in the goodness and the holiness of our life. Daddy, we come to you in faith on the promises of your word. That you are not a man that you should die. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so today, we lift up the name of Jesus above all things. Seen and unseen, visible and invisible. Principalities, powers, sicknesses and diseases in the name of Jesus. We say you must, you must, you must bow your knee to Jesus Christ. By his stripes, we are healed. 
and together, if you believe it, if you believe it, if you believe it, add your agreement, say amen, say amen, say amen, give God a shout because God is worthy to be praised this morning for the glory that's coming your way. Hallelujah. Oh, what a God we serve. We're going to talk about hope in just a moment. But the most dangerous thing that we can do today is hope for something rather than hope in someone. So even when we prayed, it's not a matter of hoping for something. It's hoping in the goodness of God and that we will experience the goodness of God in the land of the living. That though he slay me, my God is good, as Job said. My Redeemer lives. That's hope. That's hope. So I'm praying that hope manifests itself in you today. That you fall deeper and deeper with the God of hope today. And that what you prayed, what you prayed for, you can trust in Him to bring about in His time. That last part's the hardest, isn't it? In His time. Because I know you're standing here because you're believing that God can do it. But do you trust him enough to do it in his time? Because if we can trust him to do it in his time, we give the devil nowhere to go. We give the devil nowhere to go. Because all the devil's got is this. He hasn't done it yet. See, he doesn't love you. Look, it's not manifest. Look at your life in his time. My God is good. Amen? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Hey, if this is your first time at Connect, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you for being our guest today. Welcome to family. This is family. So as you're being seated, just take a few moments. Say hi to somebody next to you. Give them an air high five, an elbow bump, a fist pump, whatever you feel comfortable with. Let them know you're really glad that they're here today. Babe, before we hop in, you know, I, I, I know I really felt like you had something. Yeah, actually, Chris, can you come back up? Ron, can you come back up? <laughs> There you go. Can you just take a can we just take a couple minutes? You guys can stay seated, but just what you were just playing, just just keep playing that. Sometimes we just need to give space. Sometimes we just need to give space. Fuck. 
you would help us see through veils of religion today, veils of preconceived ideas and false notions. We each carry those, God, in our lives. They're made up of different emotional fabric, but they're there nonetheless. So God, today I ask that you would help us with your strength pull that curtain back so that we can see you. The real you, the real you, the real you, the real you, the real you. Amen. Thanks, guys. I think it's on. So, I, someone needed to wake up. It's probably me. But truly, there's just something, you know, they're, they're both very gifted and talented musicians. Um, but even before we hop in, there's something about still being willing to serve the king with what, what's in your hand, what God's placed in your life to give it away. They, they practice, they get here early. They, you know, they run businesses, Chris travels on tour, and yet still making time. There's something powerful about that. That's why when they, when they touch the keys, when Ron touches the sax, starts to play, there's something that changes in the room. It's not talent. It's anointing. And all of us carry it in certain ways. So all of us, whether we have one talent, Jesus says, or two talents or five talents, it's not about how many or how much. It's about what we use them for. Um, so use them. Use them for the king. Amen. Today, uh, you know, if since you brought your Bibles, uh, can you open with me to the book of Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews is the 19th book of the New Testament. It's kind of there after uh, all the, the books of Paul. And if you need a title for today's message, it's A Thrill of Hope. A thrill of hope, right? I love that. I love that uh, Christmas carol. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. Go ahead. There you go. There was a key, there was a, there, there was a key jump there. I wasn't ready to go. There, octave jump. Um, 
That was good. Octave, is that right? Yeah, impressive. You know what that is. The years. Um, but I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I think where we are in our world, our world needs some hope. Anyone out there needs some hope? And uh, the weary world. Um, and so, you know, th- today's the first Sunday of Advent. Um, and for some of us who in a liturgical church, uh, you may be very familiar with Advent. For some of us who did not grow up in a liturgical church, you'd be like, what the heck, right? What is this kind of all about? And so we, we just wanted to recognize, because Advent's kind of cool, and we haven't always done it here at this church, um, but it's something that's been laid on DNI's heart, because Advent is the four Sundays that precede Christmas, um, and it's really, they're really there to give us a breath, to, to, to remind us to take a breath. Because this season is so fast, right? And you, it's so, how many of us truly have gotten to Christmas Day and been like, I, you, like you're exhausted, right? Because you've been to 48 things, you're shopping, you have the wrapping and your parties and the thing. And you're just, and we've gone through this whole season of the Messiah coming. And we haven't breathed. We've made it about trees and presents and tinsel and parties. And those things are great additives. The substance is Jesus. And so Advent is going to help us to just take a moment and breathe. Remember. Matter of fact, the word Advent means the coming. And in Advent, we're not just celebrating this incredible coming of Jesus Christ on that first Christmas morning, but it's also here to remind us that he's coming again. This wasn't a one-stop shop. Like Jesus didn't one-time shop on the earth, and he's done, he's out. He came, and he's coming back, and that's what hope is. It's not just that we have hope because he came. We have hope because he ascended and is coming back again. And so that's what this is really. We're not just counting the days to Christmas. We're counting the days until that day. Um, and, And that's why it's a Selah, a breath moment in life. And so today, Dee and I just want to talk about hope. And we know um, in traditions, various traditions kind of talk about various aspects, focuses. Um, And for us, we just kind of looked at what we think God wanted to say over the next four weeks. And that's what Advent, uh, where we're standing on this. And today, it's hope. Because hope isn't just what Jesus brought when he came. Hope is who Jesus is. Hope is attached to him. Now, I, was, I, was, I was doing some stuff with uh, uh, pine trees yesterday. We had a big Christmas party at, uh, in our town yesterday. I was putting up some lanterns. Man, I, how many of you know you can't touch a pine tree without getting what's on that pine tree on you? My hands were sticky. It was like, everything's sticky because it's on it. It's natural. When you touch Jesus, what's on him, the sap that's coming out of Jesus is hope. So when we don't have hope, it's probably because we haven't been... A- we haven't been touching the tree enough. We haven't been around the tree. It's, it's, it's easy. It's easy for me to go through the Christmas season knowing it's going to be a Christmas morning, come on, but not touching the one who's coming on that morning. So we're going to talk about uh, hope because D, you and I both know not only do we need hope today in this weary world, but as we face labor pains, uh, as we head towards that second coming and the labor pains get greater, we will need more and more hope to stay connected. Hope helps us to stay connected to God. I want to just say something to somebody today. I want to encourage you to stay connected. You are thinking about not staying connected. You have entertained. You've played with it. You've taken Sundays off. 
you've entertained some other person, stay connected. Stay connected. Stay connected. My God is a God of hope, and hope will connect you to him. We have one verse today in Hebrews 10. Dee's going to unpack some of it in just a second. But in verse 23, it says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope, to the hope. Everybody say hope. hope. To the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Can someone say amen? God can be trusted to keep his promises. Um, you know, there's, we've talked before about how there's different translations. So you can read the same verse in different translations if you have um, the Bible. Is it Bible Gateway? Yeah, Bible app. Bible, Bible Gateway, app? yeah. Um, you can click on that top button, and you'll see things that say, like, Good News Translation, New International Version. And sometimes when you read Scripture in different translations, like we've said before, it helps you gain a depth of understanding. Yep. And um, some, of the, some of the different translations say, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without waiting. And since we knew we were going to be talking about hope, my natural inclination was to talk to God about hope. Um, Anything you want to say there (laughs) that I uh, need to say on Sunday? And instead, he kept drawing my attention to the confession part mm. of that scripture where it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And it made me go back to, um, I was in my, my, like, I guess maybe the first 10, 12 years of my life, I was raised Catholic. How many people are currently Catholic, have been Catholic? <laughs> okay, been at a mass. Okay. So I loved it when I was little because... I have told you before that I like predictability. (laughs) I knew when to stand. I knew when to sit. I knew when to kneel. It was a very special place for me. (laughs) So I remember when it was time to make my first Holy Communion. Any other first Holy Communioners in here? (laughs) I see you. The hands are a little lower, but yeah, they're good. So I was in Catholic school. So we had classes and we did all that, but at least when you're a child, you go to First Holy Confession before you go to your First Holy Communion, right? right. Hol- first Holy Communion, that gets a lot of attention. <laughs> but it was the First Holy Confession that had me freaked out. <laughs> Which is why I was thankful that our teachers took time to tell us what was going to happen when we went inside that box. Because, <laughs> you know, you're a little first grader, you don't uh, know what's going on. So you take this class and they explain to you this is where you're going to go and you're going to confess your sins and the priest is going to talk to you about that and he's going to tell you how you need to pray and then you're going to leave that box, you're going to go to a pew and you're going to pray. Does this sound familiar to some of you? <laughs> I know, I know, I know like if you're speaking, if you speak this language, you speak this language, okay? So my little friends started not like a conversation about what your dress going to look like. Right, because that was a big deal, it was the dress. The, it was, what are you going to confess? <laughs> when you go in there, what are you going to confess? So I was like, there's, there's, there's preparation for this. <laughs> right, so you, didn't, you didn't have your study group. I didn't have my study group. I'm a study group gal. So 
we were starting to talk, and it is, it is as if it happened yesterday to me. Mm. I said, well, I'll say this, and the person said, well, you, you can't say that. You, they'll give you two rosaries for that. <laughs> and I was like, I can't do that because then I'll still be kneeling, mm. praying all my prayers, and all of my friends will be done. Yep. And then they're going to know that my sin was worse than theirs. Wow. Right? It's a lot to carry. Isn't it's it? a lot to carry when yeah. you're a little one. Why do I say that? Because as sweet and as benign as that is, a little one it shows you the path so easily taken to beginning to have an altered relationship with confession mm. because what we start to do is we start to chip away at intimacy with Christ because we're considering the ramifications of it wow. normally in front of other people because I wasn't worried that God would get tired of me if I was kneeling and praying too long. That never crossed my mind, that I would be praying too much and God would be like, you can shut up now. <laughs> I got this. But I was aware, just as a little one, that people would be dissecting my life as I knelt there and paid for my sin. And the thing about that is that it doesn't stay quarantined to your little life. Yep. It becomes the fabric <laughs> of who you are. And one of the things that happens is, is that you end up having this casualty in your life. And it's this casualty of confession for the purpose of self-preservation. Wow. Let me give you a little bit of insight into our makeup as humans. So when we confess Jesus as the Lord and the Savior of our lives, and we lay our life before him and we ask him to come not just into my life, but lead my life, that is something that God graciously does, and heaven is a result of that. But it's not the result of that because he wants to now live life with us. Correct. Here's the problem is that when we came into this world, we had this thing called humanity, <laughs> sin nature, yep. our flesh, our soul. I think what I want to think. I love what I want to love and I want what I want to want. Yep. Now those three things are beautiful when they're submitted to the lordship of Christ. And that journey alone is what helps us become go from a believer into a deep disciple because we are constantly yielding what I want, what I feel, yep. and what I think to him so that that can be at his discretion. And so we can exchange our broken sense of feeling, our broken sense of thinking for his. But that doesn't happen when we say, Lord, come into my life yep. and be the Lord and Savior of my life. That's the rest of life on this side of the veil. But what starts to happen then is that we hear things like some of the names of God. God calls himself more than just God. That's right. He has names assigned to him that he has self-assigned because they tell us a little bit more about different aspects of himself. So one of those names is Jehovah Jireh. 
and that means my provider. So now I'm a Christian, so I know that I'm supposed to say that God is my provider. Yeah, correct. This is one of the things that the people ask you. Do you say all the right things? Do you do all the right things? Do you want all the right things? Yep. And you say, if you're in need, God is my provider. And I know that because he's Jehovah Jireh. But the problem is, is that that soul that we were just talking about, we've been cultivating that since the don't say that, you'll have to pray two rosaries. <laughs> and we've been cultivating that. Even if you, if you have no idea what I'm talking about as far as having that as your background, you have started to yep. figure out less is more. Yes. And so you start to say, God is Jehovah Jireh, and something inside of you goes, no, he's not. I don't think that, my mind. I don't feel that, right. my emotions. And frankly, I don't want that, my will, because I want to be able to provide for myself whatever I need and when I see fit. Yep. Right? Yeah. Because we don't want to be without that kind of control. So now what has happened is, is that our soul is testifying against the truth. Yes. Because we know that the Bible doesn't lie. So the Bible has said he's Jehovah Jireh. But inside of me, I'm saying no, he's not. Anybody with me on that? Yep. yep. So this is where we find ourselves. When we talk about confession, it's not just confessing the truth. Because we have taught ourselves to confess the truth, but believe the lie. Mm. And this is why there's so much dis-ease inside of us. Because those two things aren't supposed to live in companionship with one another. Yep. They don't get along. But that is also the beautiful thing about the gift of our heart, of our mind, of our will. Because God uses those to testify to us that something isn't right. Yep. You are, in fact, correct. Something isn't right. And so, in church, and actually everywhere, we've taught people to correct this by changing their language. Yep. Um, I went from being Catholic to being Pentecostal. It's a... It's, religious whiplash a lot like you're like <laughs> <laughs> you're going from very quiet to very loud <laughs> that sums it up yeah and um so i grew up in that era of this thing that was called name it and claim it now that wasn't so much like in my church but i just was around that like just speak that yep. just speak that speak that thing speak that thing and so sometimes when you're tired someone will be like you're not tired no, you have the strength of Jesus in you. First of all, I need you to take like 10 steps <laughs> away from me <laughs> right now because That's I totally may punch right. you in the name of Jesus. But, I mean, like, this is what we do because we're saying, like, you're not supposed to be tired because yeah. the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, I'm not here to fight the fact that the joy of the Lord is my strength. But I will fight you if you tell me I'm not tired. <laughs> And we live in the middle of that. And in the world, we call it manifesting. Yep. Right? Yeah, manifesting. We, well, there's a million different versions of this. Speak something into existence. Speak it until you see it. And I'm not, talk, I'm not against positive 
declaration. But that's not what that's talking about, just as much as Naaman and Claman is not talking about that. Yeah, that's right. So today, while we talk about this, this confession of our hope, I think what God really wants us to remember is that he is strong enough for you to be brave enough yep. to tell him that what you would confess if you were to confess your truth right now does not really line up with all that God says he is. Mm. So instead of us getting up here today and saying, well, you know it's Christmas, joy to the world. Where's your jolly? <laughs> instead of that being our response, our response today is to encourage you to go in to that journey with God yeah, yep. and say, God, I know I'm supposed to want you. I don't right now. Not the way that I think I'm supposed to. It's going to cost me a lot to do that. Yep. But there are parts of me, God, that want to want that. Yep. Can you help me with that? That's what a conversation with Jesus sounds like when you're a disciple. A believer will try to spout out all the right things and hope that that gets them a shorter prayer in the pew. But this is about going closer to God, yep. closer to hope, not proclaiming what is not the truth inside of you yet because the truth will not set you free. Knowing no, the, tr the truth, yep. the scripture says, will set you free. Right. Yep. And God is not afraid to show you the truth so that the truth can set you free. It's a really good thing. Yeah, it's really, really, really good. Um, I love, you know, you've all, of, often talked about part of your journey saying, I don't love you, I, and, and I don't even know if I want to love you, but help me want to want to love you. And that's a real conversation with God. Like, that's scary to say that when you're the person sitting in these seats. It should be as scary with you sitting in yours. I don't really love you, I'm not sure I really want to love you, but, I, but help me to want to want to love you. And those are real conversations, and that's where real confession comes in. And that's what actually will produce hope in you, you and I. I think, Dee, the problem, uh, at least uh, the way that I see it some, so often in church today, is that we tend to talk about hope, about it's from the vantage point of what we can get from it. What do I hope for? Well, let me look at the Bible to see what the Bible tells me God will bring to me like in two-day delivery if I put my order in through faith and hope. And, 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 and in the midst of it, we really miss the, the core of what hope is. Hope is God's confession. Hope is God's confession. See, see, it's what he speaks out of his mouth. It's the words that come from him bring hope. The promises that he speaks, who he is, comes out of his character. You know, the Bible tells us in, uh, in, Proverbs, I mean, in Luke 6, 45, that out of the overflow of your, your heart, your mouth will speak, right? Out of this abundance of heart. Where does that verse come from? It comes from the fact of who God is, the truth of who God is. God's, God's heart is so in love with you and I. He's so in love with you and I. What comes out of it is hope to you. What he brings to you out of love should be hope. And that's, the, that's, that's God's, he almost can't help himself. Like, like when I read the Bible, I, I hear the heartbeat of God through hope. Because he almost can't help himself. From the very beginning, right, Genesis 3, 
We sin. Adam and Eve sin. All of creation falls under the curse. Jesus is going to have to die because of this moment. And in Genesis 3.17, God can't help himself but to tell, but to tell Adam and Eve, um, I got some hope for you. There's a Savior coming. Like, I don't know about you, but that would have been my first response to my kids when they messed up my creation. Like the moment they came and they wrecked my brand new car, I wouldn't have been like, hey, but the good news is, right? I would have been like, let me beat you first. And then down the road, we'll talk about some hope. It's, can you hear the heartbeat of God? From the, from the worst thing in all creation, that creation ever happened, was the fall. And his heart, out of his mouth, out of his heart, come this overflow of, but there's hope, children. But there's hope, children. There's, there, there's hope. Hope is his truth. Because that's actually what confession is. Confession is truth-telling. When you went to, into the confessional, they weren't asking you to make stuff up. It wasn't about confessing sin. It was about confessing truth, what you actually did. It's truth-telling. Hope is God's confession because hope is God's truth. And he speaks truth to power. Whatever that power may be, whether it be self or circumstance, whether it be sickness or Satan, whether it be sadness, my God speaks truth to that power that's inside of us. And the result of that is hope in those who are sick and sad and under Satan. Come on. There's, that's the result of it. Because it's God's truth. So what we see in hope is the love of God towards us. Not when it's manifest. This is where we get it, um, screwed up in church. Because we always, we're waiting for it to be manifest for us to actually recognize it was hope. Hope is the fact that anything can change. And if anything can change, because we can't make it a change. I can't heal myself from cancer. Come on, I, I can't, there's things, there are things that are impossible for man. If anything is possible, it's because of God's love to me. That's hope. Every time we get around hope, our heartbeat should be saying, man, I love Jesus. Any moment you start to have hope for anything, it should be oh, a breath of love for God. It's who he is. It should make us love him more. And I think the reality, babe, is that that God knows how easy it is for you and I as human beings to disconnect from him, to lose hope because of what we go through, because the hurt we experience, the betrayals, the offenses, the disappointments, the disillusionments in and out of the house of God. God knows how easy it is for us to, to be disappointed and to disconnect and to lose any real hope that anything's going to change. Has anyone ever felt like nothing's going to change? Yeah, all of our hands would be up. Because that's what happens. That's humanity. And because of that, that's why he gives us hope. Why? Because hope is the connector to him. It helps us stay connected when we want to disconnect from our God. Zechariah chapter 9, there's this amazing verse but let me give you the context of it because it's important. They are in captivity. Israel, the children of God, are in captivity in Babylon. It's 500 years before the Messiah will come. 
And there's people, including prophets or religious people of the day, that are saying, look, nothing's going to change. Make your home here. This is just fit in. Just settle down. Nothing's going to change. And God speaks into this moment. He speaks so beautifully into this moment. Look at what the prophet Zechariah rises up and says in the midst of this. He says, return to your stronghold. Return to the stronghold. My God is my rock, my refuge, my stronghold, my strong tower. Return to the connection of who he is. Oh, you prisoners of hope. Oh, that that would be said of me. Oh, when I'm under the oppression of the enemy. Oh, when I am in captivity to depression. Oh, when I am under the oppression of nothing's ever going to change. May it be said of me, you prisoner of hope. Not you prisoner of Babylon, not you prisoner of Assyria, not you prisoner of cancer, not you prisoner of sickness, not you prisoner of depression, not you prisoner of divorce. Oh, you prisoner of hope. Today, I will return to you double. And we always, as Christians, jump to the end of that and say, isn't God great? He's going to give me back double. I know what to hope for now. Double. Woo! Double. I'm going to claim it. I'm going to name it till I can claim it. Double. And we miss the beauty. Oh, you prison, the most beautiful thing in there, you prisoner of hope. I am locked and connected to hope. And there's no key I'm going to take that gets me out of that prison. Many years ago, I had this opportunity to climb the Sydney Harbor Bridge. And uh, there will be a picture on the screen in a second. It's huge. It is like almost 3,800 feet long. It's 440 feet high. That's 44 stories high. It, it, it crosses over one of the most dangerous bays in the world, right? It's filled with sharks. I mean the big ones, right? So I, I'm like, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go climb this thing. So the first thing that they do when you get to the top is they give you this steel cable with one of these little hooky hookies on it, and they attach it to you. And they say, look, the only way you can make it to the other end is if you stay connected to this thing. Because it's really windy up there, and storms blow in really fast, and it, a lot of the steps are wet, and uh, there's no safety nets here. This is, this is it. This cable that connects to the bridge and connects to you. Well, here's the problem. I don't know who made this cable. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know the architectural drawings for the stability of this bridge and the, how this doohickey is strong. I don't know the tensile strength. Come on, engineers. Tensile strength of this steel. I don't know what it is. But I trusted the person who gave it to me. And I knew if I'd stay connected, come on, if I stayed connected, I'd be safe. That is what hope does. Hope is the umbilical cord that keeps us connected to who God is. We may not understand how it's made. We may not understand how it's come together. We may not understand the designs of what we're walking through and walking over and walking under. But as long as we stay connected, that's why God gives us hope. Because hope connects us to who he is. I was looking at, uh, we, you and I were talking about this week, this week, I was looking at Matthew chapter 1, the genealogies of people leave, leading, leading up to Jesus. 
Now, I know most of us skip right through those things, right? You start to see a genealogy, you go to the end of the list, boom. But at the end of that list, there's, <laughs> there's actually an, a, a, a powerful verse. In verse 17, it says, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. So from Abraham to David, from David to the captivity, from captivity to Jesus, all 14 generations. Now, we're reading this post-fulfillment of the promise, so we don't need to read it with hope. We read it with belief. That actually happened. But they were reading these promises with hope for 2,000 years. That's the time span. For 2,000 years, God, through his heart of love, kept speaking hope into them. Why? Because over those 2,000 years, there was disappointments. My child wasn't born. I bore, I bore Ishmael. I don't know what to do. There was, uh, there, 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 were ish, uh, there was family discord. Someone sold Joseph. His brother sold Joseph into slavery. You want to talk about a mess? You, you think you had a messed up family Thanksgiving? His brothers sold him into slavery. There was slavery in Egypt. There was wandering in the wilderness. There was Babylonian destruction and captivity. There was Roman occupation. There was 400 years of silence when the prophets did not speak and heavens were of brass. This is why God's people needed hope because he knew what they would face. And he knew if he didn't give them hope, click, all those things would cause them to disconnect. See, God created hope because like Abraham, he knew that there would be circumstances for us that wouldn't line up in our own time period, in our own timeline. So we'd want to take matters like Abraham did into our own hands. Disconnect. I'm going to do it my way. And like Abraham, we'd make bad decisions in these seasons. If I'm honest, sometimes it's my bad decisions that have caused me the most self-loathing. I can't tell you how many times bad decisions pop into my mind and I go, man, I, I hate my life. I hate, that, I hate that moment. I'm so embarrassed. I don't want to see that person. I don't want to, so frustrated. How can I, and I find myself because of that bad decision. God's not disconnecting. Come here. Stay with me. The bridge didn't disconnect. My self-loathing causes me to disconnect. That's why I need hope. Hope that he'll love me in the midst of my self-loathing. Hope that he is a God of the second and the third and the fourth chance. Hope that he's the God of grace and mercy and not just a God of judgment and pain. I need hope. When I'm going through things, I need hope to believe that he's a good God who works all things together for my good, for my good in his time period. If not, I'll disconnect and make bad decisions. He knew that the enemy would attack and cause fracture and disunity and devastation and destruction. He knew our hearts would be broken. We'd go through divorce. People would just up and leave our lives for seemingly no reason. We'd be fired, let go. We'd face the oppression of sickness and cancer and depression. And God knew, because he wrote it in Proverbs 13, 12, 
that hope that hasn't manifest quickly will make your heart sick. Hope deferred. He knew it. He knew when things haven't come to us, when the enemy has oppressed us, when we're going through the captivity of our souls at times, when we haven't been delivered in due season, or at least the way that we feel is due season, our heart will get sick, and heart-sick souls disconnect from God. We disconnect from church. We disconnect from each other. Man, I can't tell you how many times, this is, this is honest truth, There's how many times I'm going through my own depression, my own sadness, my own, I can't believe where, we, where I am as a pastor or in church or in life, and my friends, my other pastors will call me and I will push decline. Is it because they're bad people? Is it because they're not, they're not going to encourage me? No, it's because they are going to encourage me. But there's something inside of me that says, I don't want to be around that right now. And it doesn't just happen with others. When we live under that oppression from the enemy, we disconnect from others and we disconnect from church. We disconnect from, uh, from, from discipleship. We disconnect from God. So he gives us hope. This is why he constantly reinforces hope. The enemy doesn't attack us because we have hope. We have hope because God knows the enemy is going to attack us. Do you hear the heartbeat of God? God is saying, I know for 14 generations you're going to go through it. I know for 14 generations you're going to live under it. I know for 14 generations you're going to have to face it. I know, I know, I know. It's why I'm not just giving you an answer to the problem. I'm giving you hope. Because hope will keep you connected. It's my confession over you. It's the truth. Stay connected. It's his umbilical cord that keeps me connected to the bridge. Even when it starts to rain, I'm connected. And it starts to snow, I'm connected. And the problems come, I'm connected. Oh, I may slip. I may fall. But even if I do, I'm okay because I'm connected to the bridge. It's hope that connects me. Because it's his truth telling over me. It's his confession. When you go to prayer, prayer is God's confessional booth with you. We go to the confessional booth to tell the priest what our truth. No, no, no. When you go to prayer, God is coming into your life to tell you his truth. His confession over you. D, I'm going to let you wrap in just a second. But I love this verse I wanted to encourage everybody with. David says this in Psalm 62, verse 5. For you alone, God, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is in God. Hey, hey soul, hope, hope allows us to tell our soul and Satan to shut up. Hope allows us to tell our soul, wait in silence. I don't need to hear from you. We're pushing decline from the wrong people. We need to push decline from the call of our soul. We need to push decline from the lies of the enemy. We need to push decline from the doubt that rises up. We need to push decline from despair when it rises up. We need to push decline from a heart-sick soul because we think it's taken too long and our hope has deferred. We need to push decline from that voice 
and push accept from the voice of hope. I think I'm just gonna I'm just gonna end with this. Um, that just was, I didn't know you were gonna break out props like that. So, yeah, man, I got props. Um, <laughs> but it remi- it reminded me that so we there's a very large cross above us, <laughs> right? And uh, Steve Smith uh, made that cross. And he was one of the people who helped us when we had flipped our um, sanctuary before and and put that cross up that's in the foyer up on the wall that we used to have. And so he had asked if he could make this cross right before when we we were having a a new sanctuary. And so in your mind, you're like, oh, that's going to be so cool until the night that he brought it here. Yeah. And I saw what was going to be required to hoist it. First of all, there was scaffolding, and um, I realized how heavy it was, and that it would be hanging directly over us. Yeah. Every time we spoke. Every time, yes. So when that came, it took a lot of you guys to get that up there. Yeah. And so I was like, and hey, the, Steve. And the roof was creaking, yes. I was like, hey, Steve, how, how do you feel about me? You love me? Because I'm putting a lot of stock in you. Exactly. (laughs) Hanging this cross that's going to be over me. And um, he started to explain how much weight uh, all of those wires and chains and everything can can hold. Yes. And he's very learned, so he knew all of that. But I I got to a certain point where I actually had to think to myself, Steve loves us. So I'm not having faith in those chains, but I know he thought through enough yes. what it would require to hang that cross yes. so that it doesn't harm us. Mm. And I just left it there. Now, it might seem like nothing because you're over there. <laughs> 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 but I'm here. <laughs> but I do very distinctly remember make, having to make a decision, like we're going to put people on that platform, yep. and there's a really heavy cross above them yes but I didn't inspect the chain and I didn't inspect the roof I just remember saying he knows what he's doing and he loves us yep it's good dude and so the last thing I just want to say is about confession so that we can really experience hope this week is that you know we were talking about how it's in relationships there are these times when, when the, whatever the relationship is, it, it, it can be your partner, it can be your friends, it can be your parents, it can be whatever, but you feel like there is some sort of lie between the mm. two of you. Yep. Some sort of lack of truth. There's, there's an absence of truth there. And you start to ask the person to tell you the truth. And the person's afraid to tell you the truth because of the dynamic shift that could happen as a result, a loss of intimacy that could happen as a result of that truth being brought. And it's not that it's easy when there's love and then the truth is brought, but you have a greater chance at healing if there's love in the relationship to begin with. And sometimes we have been burned by human relationships, right? Just tell me how you really, what you really think about me. 
And then you take the risk and you say, well, this is what I feel. This is what I've experienced yep. at your hands. And you're thinking they've just took, taken a lot of time to convince you that all I need to know is the actual truth and then we'll be good. And then sometimes it breaks a relationship. And sometimes we take that experience and we superimpose it onto God. But I just want to remind you today, church, that he is the one who told us that you will know the truth and the truth yeah. will set you free. So don't be afraid of that truth telling to him, no matter what is yeah. contained inside of the truth. It is something that he already knows, but it's something that he knows you need to express. And so many of us are trying to have peace without confession. Well. Just hear that again. So many of us are trying to have peace without confession. Yep. And we're wondering what's the problem. And it always comes down to distance. Not because he's keeping himself in reserve, but because we haven't trusted the truth, which is, if I know the truth, and I say that truth to him, and I give him the opportunity to do something with the truth, even if it's not true, but it's my truth right now, he will tell me the truth. I can know the truth. Yes. And that truth can truly set me free. It's beautiful, dude. Uh, I think at the end, when we are willing to have those real discussions with Jesus and hope can come in our heart, then we can, then we can walk in true faith. Because hope without, faith without hope is just a wish. I hope things get better. No, I, I, it's a wish. Uh, I, w I really hope things change. It's a wish. But the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So we can be on that bridge. And if we haven't connected, like Dee said, if we're not honest and be willing to continue to have that connection through hope with him, we can disconnect from that bridge. We can still be on the bridge. We can still be walking the bridge, but we're not secure. We're not safe. We're putting ourselves in danger. We can say we have faith, but we don't because faith comes from hope. Hope doesn't come from faith. Faith comes from hope. So that's why we went in this whole process of laying our lives before him. It, we have to hear the heartbeat of God that says I, that, that, that I am good and I desire good for your life. I'm not hoping for good things. I'm hoping in the goodness of God. Those things are different. Because, if, because in the midst of it, when we get what we're looking for, when we get the miracle we're looking for, very often we, we don't realize there's still a different answer coming. When Jesus showed up, right, after those 14, 14, 14 generations, the Messiah came. Do you know hope didn't end there? Hope didn't end there. When Jesus came, he said, oh, I want you to know, I'm going to keep giving you hope until everything that can rob hope from you is destroyed. Why? We can't have faith without hope. 
and we cannot, abs- we cannot actually have hope when we're hoping for things rather than actually hoping in someone. Hope keeps us connected. Confession keeps the intimacy that allows the, confession, uh, that allows the hope to live strongly in our lives. Paul ends it with this, this text. Romans 15, 13. This is his prayer for the church of Rome. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope, come on, fill you so that you can overflow with hope. May the God of hope fill you so that you can overflow with hope. He is the source of hope, and he is the manifestation of it in your life. I'm going to pray that over you now. If you'll just bow your heads with me, I'm going to pray this prayer over you now. It is so easy to disconnect. My friends, maybe you haven't totally disconnected, but there's different areas of intimacy that you've disconnected from him. As Dee said, you know, we can tell the truth in a lot of areas, but protect ourselves. Oh, I'm not going to tell him that because of this. If I know the truth, and he is the truth, he can set me free. His confession of who I am, of who he is, his confession of his promise, his goodness, his grace, his mercy towards you is hope itself. So, Daddy, our prayer is this to every person around this room, every person listening, watching right now. May the God of hope fill us with all joy and all peace as we trust in you so that we may overflow with hope by the power of your Holy Spirit that we may overflow with hope by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask these things, Jesus, because we know it's too easy to disconnect from you. So we praise you, we love you, and we thank you for always staying connected to us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Worship team to come up. We're gonna we're gonna worship one last time. We're actually gonna sing a song called Yahweh, which is about the name of God. Danielle said it earlier. We don't give God names. Who he is names himself. That's why Jesus starts out the Lord's Prayer with, hallowed be your name. Because he's telling us to remember every day when we're praying that, that God's names are not just what he does, it's who he is. He is provision. He is healing. He is shalom, peace. He is righteousness. He is my sanctification. 
He is the banner. He doesn't just put a banner over me. He is those things. Every bit of that should stir hope in you. Not for what he will do, for who he is. Because he cannot not do who he is. He cannot not do. There's a lot of double negatives in there. He cannot not do who he is. He can't not be himself. Now, it may not be in the timing you like. And for some of us, it may not be on this side of the veil. But my God is not a man that he should lie. That is the hope that I have. I don't just have a belief that Jesus came. I have a hope he's coming back. We don't just have faith that his death on the cross saved us and cleansed us and brought us into relationship with God. We have hope that the King of kings and Lord of lords one day will step out off of his throne back onto the clouds and descend to take us home. We have a living hope in Jesus. So you're right. We may still be in captivity in Babylon. You're right. And we may die in captivity to Babylon. Because there were generations that did. And it didn't make God a liar to those generations. Because my God set them free for eternity. And he brought them to a place not one enemy can touch. The Bible says that in heaven there's no tears, there's no fear, there's no sickness, there's no disease. Man, this place is a breath. Heaven is forever. No, we may be in the generation that gets out of captivity. We may be in a generation that gets to see the Messiah born. But maybe we're not. You know what we need? Hope. Because one day I will see the Messiah again. One day I will step out through the veil into a life free of oppression of sin. And no matter what I face on this side, I refuse to disconnect from the one who is that hope. The only thing that will keep us grounded is not hope for something. It's hope in someone. His name's Jesus. going to ask you guys to stand with me. I hope my deepest hope right now is that as we begin to sing and worship in this song that the Holy Spirit starts to quicken you in some areas in which you've disconnected in intimacy with God. And in the middle of the song you just turn around and say God I'm sorry here I am. Forgive me for disconnecting I've allowed that circumstance to speak too loudly. I've allowed my soul, I've pushed accept all the time to that despair. I'm so sorry. I didn't tell Satan to shut up. And so I gave him a foothold. But God, I'm disconnecting from those things and I'm going to stand in the hope of my king. Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. Come on, let's sing. Before we actually uh, get started, God had laid something on my heart that I feel like I'm, last night while I was praying, that I feel like I need to share. And it actually, ironically, not surprisingly, ties perfectly in with what Pastors Kyle and Danielle were sharing today about names. And I had no idea that they were going to talk about that. 
Um, but I was preparing to sing this song that we're going to sing called Yahweh, and I was actually nervous to do it because it's basically just repeating that phrase. And if you don't understand the power of that name, I felt like it might be lost on us. And then God reminded me what it felt like when people who love me call me by my name. And then there's something that stirs in you when you hear someone address you intimately like that, with joy and with love, with that hope. And I was speaking with a friend last night um, who unfortunately doesn't share my faith about um, in ancient times in their folklore mythos, they believed that uh, knowing someone's true name would give you power over them. If a spirit knew your true name or if you knew a spirit's true name, it would give you power over the other. And so people hid their names. And I recognized what a counterfeit that was to what God wanted to do. That this thing that brought division between spirit and man was actually unified, that that bridge uh, was, that gap was bridged by God, by giving us a name like Yahweh, the truest of his names, I am the I am. It means I am everything you need and want in your life. And he gave us that knowing we could misuse it or reject it. And today, as we begin to sing it, I want us to sing that as if we are speaking out to him so that he has that stirring in his heart, that stirring that we feel when we feel someone call us by our own names, our true names, that love, that joy. That's the kind of love and joy I want to spark in Jesus, in God, in the Holy Spirit, and in heaven by a spirit that gave us his true name so that we can love him all the more. Yahweh, Yahweh, we lift you
just before we get ready to go, maybe you felt in your heart the Holy Spirit move and realize that there are some places that you've disconnected from God. Right here, right now, just in your heart, just say, God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. My deepest desire is to stay connected with you. So everything that is between us that should not remain, send it away now. I surrender my whole life, my whole hope to you today. All I want is all of you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen to that? Amen, 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 amen. So beautiful. Lord, come and move, I pray. Whew. Church, in the season that talks about hope, let us have real hope. The hope of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Whether we face unmet circumstance, whether we face enemy occupation, destruction, captivity, whether we face what seems like eternities of silence from heaven, just know this, we have hope in him. For the God of hope will fill you with hope so that your life can be overflowing with hope. As, you, as we get ready to go today, can I just ask you to be seated for one more second? I want to really encourage you just take a moment to be serious about talking about giving for a second. Part of worship in life and as a family is giving. All of us probably were beneficiaries of that this week at Thanksgiving. As each and every family member or groups of families as they came together brought something. Somebody brought a pumpkin pie and somebody brought chorizo stuffing or if you want to bring that to my house, that's good. Someone made the turkey. Someone popped open the can of uh, cranberry sauce. That's the only real cranberry sauce, John. You know what I'm saying? Tried the other stuff. That's not, yeah, no. I don't want, I don't want real crap, right. I, want to, I, don't know, I don't want to know what's in there. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But we were the beneficiaries of people giving. That's what family does. Because not only do we get, did you get to eat on Thanksgiving, but I'm probably sure there was leftovers. And the leftovers fed more and more and more. That's what our giving does. Our giving brings about a change in this room but it also because my God presses it down shakes it together and multiplies it there's leftover after leftover after leftover after leftover into people's lives it blesses God and blesses others and there's lots of ways that you can worship God today with your giving you, you can use these uh, beautiful envelopes that we have and take a moment to write it out 
drop it into one of those golden kiosks. Please, though, give with faith. Give with joy. Give with excitement when you put it in there. The God says, I enjoy, I, I desire a joyful, hilarious giver. That's what God's looking for. You can give on your phones or CCB. There's a thousand ways to give, but please do give. I want to just let you know one last thing about that, that this is the last Sunday for the Christmas toy store. The Christmas toy store is actually next Sunday. I can't believe it's next Sunday. And if you don't really know what that is, uh, check it out. There's videos on, our, on all of our social media stuff. It is to just bless people in this house and in our community. And you can, you can be a part of that in three ways. You can actually um, sign up. You to uh, sign, sign up yourself as a family who could benefit from that or sign up a family who you know who could benefit from it. And sometimes we get to get be the receiver and sometimes we get to be the giver and that's the part of doing life together. You can sign up to, uh, to serve that night, to be a part of just making someone else's night fantastic. It's next Sunday night at 6 o'clock and you can actually give. Be generous. Don't allow your offering today to be the same as your offering to the toy store. We give to God, we, 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 we tithe to God and we give to others. But the more generous we can be, the more lives we can touch. So, look, can you grab something just in your hand, whether it's an envelope, just your fist, your faith? I'm going to pray over it. I'm going to pray also for the toy store. Why don't we stand? Let me pray over you as we stand. Come on, can we add your agreement with me? We're, we're believing for a multiplication in this, uh, in, in, in offering. We're believing for God to open up doors, the doors of heaven, pour out blessing. Father, I thank you for every gift. I thank you for every person. I thank you for who you are, that you are truly the most gracious, hope-filled God that we could even ever imagine. God, I thank you that you're a giver and that when we give, you multiply it, you press it down, you shake it together, and it runs over. I thank you that you're allowing this church to be a part of bringing joy into other people in this house and out of this house, in this community, during this season that you brought us so much joy that we get to be a part of other people's change like you are a part of ours. So I pray for every person who's coming to the toy store. I pray that whether they know you yet or not, that their ears may be open, their hearts may be ready to receive you, Lord God. That they may feel your love and your grace and your warmth as they walk into this place. Daddy, I pray for every person who's giving into the toy store. I pray, Lord God, that you may return a hundredfold into their life and that you may release, that they may release it with joy and hope and faith, knowing that it's going to help change a kiddo's life. Lord, we trust you with everything we've got trust you with this as well. So we give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Now, Jesus, I pray that your face may shine upon each and every person as we leave this place. That your grace and your spirit may go before us. That the weapons the enemy has around us may fall powerless to the ground. That our feet may find solid ground and that solid ground may be holy ground. That we may not give the enemy one inch, one foothold. That your light may shine through us and in us 
into the world around us so that those who are walking in darkness may see your great light. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. We love you. Go in hope, and may the God of hope fill you with overflowing hope this week. Amen? Amen. I'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.